Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. You're winning two tickets to the Wizards game, Saturday, February 10th, versus the Philadelphia 76ers. As part of the Black History Month presented by Stackwell Capital, the Wiz are going to celebrate HBCU and D9 tonight. The first 10,000 fans in attendance will also receive a bobblehead of tennis star Francis Tiafo, Maryland native and the second in our inaugural DMV bobblehead series. Go to thefandc.com for more details, and good luck right now to all of you dialing in to win the prize. On air and on the road, Jay Gruden is driven by the Tempered Automotive Group, Tempered Ford and Chantilly and Fairfax, your F-150 headquarters, and Tempered Chevrolet and Sterling, home to Tempered for life, lifetime vehicle coverage, see and shop at tempered.com. Let's go to Jay Gruden right now on the BetQL guest hotline. So, Jay, let's start with the coach who was under the most fire yesterday at the end of the games, and that was Dan Campbell, whose Lions got to the NFC Championship game with him shooting from the hip, and then he went for not one but two fourth downs in field goal range. They leave a potential six points on the field, and the fourth and two was a drop by Josh Reynolds. The fourth and three seemed like it was kind of dead on arrival. What did you make of those decisions? Well, good to talk to you guys. I think the first fourth down was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. They have a chance to go up 17. The significance of being up 14 instead of in, in 17, the difference is huge in pro football, especially in the third quarter when the clock is now your friend. Um, you're going to kick the ball off and pin them back uh, at the 25-yard line. They're going to go 75 yards and score three times to tie you or beat you. And uh, I, I just don't understand. No one can convince me that that was the right call. The other one, the fourth and two, when they're you know, down three or whatever it was, um, maybe because he's been aggressive all year long and, and they've actually produced and, and made some plays. But even that one, I think you got to kick the field goal. I like to think sometimes a worst-case scenario. Let's say we don't get it and they go down and score, we're down 10. That's a pretty bad-case scenario right there. That, that means the game is pretty much over as opposed to tying the game. Then if they go down and score, you just have a chance to tie them. Or if you hold them to field goal, you have a chance to tie them or win the game that way. But I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with three points nowadays. I just think uh, – you know, hats off to him for making some of those calls throughout the year. But I just think in the, in the NFC championship game, I thought going up 17 was a huge deal. So, Jay, I want you to think back to your time as, as the head coach. The, the data is always flying around, right? Whatever it is, and everyone just sort of puts uh, any kind of information under the, the, the umbrella of analytics or, or otherwise. How were you made aware of, hey, the percentage chance is this if you do that, or the percentage is this or that, or is it something you want to be bothered with it in the middle of the game? What was your process like? 
Yeah, we, you know, I didn't really use it that much. Um, I, I, it was still kind of new when I was there, and I didn't really trust analytics because the analytics is a numbers thing. It's not a people thing. And you got to know the people on your team. You got to know the people on their team. You got to know the, the situation of the game. And, and you know, and you got to have the plays to back up the, the reason for going for it. You got to have a good fourth and three play. I mean, you got to, you know, it's tough. It's not easy to get three yards in the National Football League against the San Francisco 49er defense on the road. You know, there's a lot of issues that you have to take place. It's not like it's a 48 yard field goal and the wind is uh, two degrees northwest to east or whatever it might be. I mean, that's where analytics comes into play. Fastball pitcher throws at 85 miles an hour. I mean, you know, those analytics with the numbers, I agree with. But when people are involved, situations are involved i just don't agree with the analytics all the time that's just me if you were calling plays or coaching now with analytics having come a long way and they do account for and you can bake in who's on the field to a great extent now would you be more inclined to use them than you were years ago no i wouldn't you know the only chart you really kept track of is a two-point chart when you should go for two when you should kick that helps out a little bit but that's pretty much common knowledge i came from a league in the arena league where everybody was scoring left and right and you had to understand, I mean, shoot, we go for two here or not. So I was pretty good with going for two or kicking the extra point. Fourth down uh, to me is a gut feeling call. And it's a people call. I mean, do you have offensive linemen or your offensive linemen healthy enough to get the push that you need? I mean, I, I wouldn't go for fourth and two against the Baltimore Ravens when I was with the Bengals against Ole Nada and Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis. And though that it's hard to get two yards, you know, sometimes it's good to take the three points and, and let the other team make a mistake and let your defense play well when you have a good defense. Now, if you don't have a good defense and you're struggling, Aaron Rodgers is on the other side of the field against Green Bay, then, yeah, we went for it a couple times in our own territory. So there's a lot of things you have to take into account before you make that decision. I'm not going to let some computer piece of paper tell me what to do when I was going for fourth down. Jay, so the other part of that uh, that I think has kind of gotten lost in the sauce, talking about Detroit, and Jay Gruden with us here on G&D, that drive where they ended up scoring a touchdown on that fourth down, they took – longer to me than they should have. And then that run on third and one that San Francisco, to their credit, ended up stuffing, that really ended up costing Detroit there towards the end of the game. Go through that sequence there and, and tell me what Detroit could have done differently. Yeah, obviously you want to throw the ball there because incompletion stopped the clock. Again, worst case scenario, if we run the football, the clock's going to run and we're going to lose either a valuable timeout or 25 to 30 more seconds, which we don't, we can't afford to lose. So you got to throw the ball there. Now, last week against Tampa Bay on fourth and two, they handed the ball up right up the middle uh, against Tampa Bay to Craig Reynolds, and he scored a touchdown. So that's kind of been what they've done all year long. They are a physical football team. Their identity is a tough physical offensive line that could get the ball to get the two or three tough yards. But in a situation like that where you're not only playing against the defense, you're playing against the clock, you got to throw the ball, I think, in that situation. Let's go to the AFC Championship game. Are we just at a point now where it doesn't matter who they're playing or if their opponent's better? If Mahomes is on the field, you got to expect the Chiefs to win. Yeah, I'm a moron. I picked uh, I picked the Ravens. Uh, that's uh, uh, you know after the first drive of the game, I go, what was I thinking taking the Ravens when Mahomes went right down the field and scored? And uh, you know he's just so good. I mean, some of the plays he makes within the pocket, outside the pocket, are just ridiculous. You can't coach that stuff. And Andy Reid also has a good game plan to go along with. Patrick Mahomes' ability to ad-lib. I mean, he's a special player, special talent. He's proven it year in and year out. And uh, for people to bet against him or for him to be ever an underdog is insane to me. So if he's an underdog this week, I mean, I'd be willing to take Kansas City again because he's he's that kind of guy. I was saying earlier in the show, and I know longevity is going to decide this, right? Because Brady was so great for so long. But if you just stack up the first six years now for Mahomes and the first six years of Brady – 
if they win the Super Bowl, Mahomes and Brady will both have three Super Bowls. Mahomes has one more AFC championship game, four out of six. He'll be 15-3 and three in the playoffs. Brady was 12-2. and two. He'll be 72-22 and 22 in the regular season. Brady 70-24. and 24. The numbers are almost identical. I mean, he's, he's on the Brady track after people said we'd never see anything like this again. And he's doing it, by the way, way more responsible for the success of the offense than early career Brady, who was, you know, kind of a winner, but a passenger in a lot of ways with a great defense and a great running game. I mean, this is historic what we're seeing. Oh, you're 100% right. And I don't know. I don't know what what words can describe Patrick Mahomes other than he's, you know, compete for the greatest of all time. He might already be there. You know, I, I mean, I, I he's got to be in that conversation. The things he's done at his early stage of his career with, you know, some uh, players around him that have been new. I mean, they got a new receiving core basically this year other than Travis Kelsey. You know, Pacheco's a young running back. And uh, it's just amazing to watch this guy play every week. You know, he's had his up and downs this year. They didn't have good games early. Their receivers were struggling a little bit, but, you know, he's going to make team the team around him better. And that's what a great quarterback does. He makes players around him great. And that's the best trait Patrick Mahomes has, other than his athletic ability, his arm strength, <laughs> his ability to make people around him great is what makes him a special player. Yeah, obviously you're, you, uh, you know, an elite offensive mind in your own right, but let's say the defensive coordinator walks into your office and goes, what the hell do I do? And playing against Pat Mahomes. Like, what advice would you give? I don't know if there's a good prescription to slow the guy down or stop him. Yeah, I mean, Baltimore did a decent job in the second half. I mean, I don't think they scored in the second half, but they didn't really have to. He manages the game well. He doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, you just got to try to do the best you can and play really good red zone defense. And, and the best you can have a great red zone plan, have a great third down plan. Uh, and hopefully that uh, he'll he'll make some mistakes eventually somehow. And you got to make sure you get people on Kelsey somewhere somehow, uh, two eyes on him or two hands on him. You got to nudge him out of the, when he comes out of the backfield. Something you got to slow him down a little bit. But you know you saw Baltimore try to do different things, and when they try to play more zone coverage and only rush four, they couldn't get any pressure. And all he does is buy time and wait and wait and wait, and he'll find somebody down the field. And if you try to blitz him, he gets the ball out quick to his bubble screens or the outlets, and he always makes the right decision. You know, people talk about his arm strength, athletic ability, but his brain, his football knowledge is, you know, top of the charts as well. And that's what makes him so great. I mean, you can't, you can't beat him physically. You can't beat him mentally. He's, he's got you to, he's got you in a pickle. Did you guys study him at all coming out of college? Yeah, a little bit. Now he's a tough guy to grade. Now he was at Texas Tech and I think they were six to six. Cliff Kingsbury was our head coach and, and he did some unbelievable things. He reminded me of Brett Favre a little bit in the fact that Brett and Southern Miss you know, he, he had those wild plays, but he had, you know, eight or nine plays in the game. You're like, what in the hell is this guy doing? And I remember one game I saw him throw five touchdowns, which were incredible. He threw five interceptions. He should have had 10. So <laughs> it, it was crazy. He just was a tough guy to grade. But obviously, Kansas City saw the arm talent, the athleticism, traded up to get him, and it was the greatest move maybe in NFL history. Travis Kelsey yesterday, 11 targets, 11 catches, and a buck 16. You know, your offense, peak of its powers here in D.C., kind of went through Jordan Reed with a lot of those choice routes, options that he had, kind of beating people off the dribble like a basketball player with footwork. I mean, they let Kelsey freestyle in some of those ways and and get open and just kind of you go do you, Trav, you know, every now and then. And he did it the whole game. Uh, I'm curious, where would you – are there tight ends that you would say were better than him at any point, or is he in the greatest of all time conversation for you? Yeah. He's in the greatest of all time. We actually, I was at Cincinnati in that draft, and uh, we had a chance 
he went to Cincinnati. He was right in our backyard. But he had a little, I think he had off the field issue and he had a couple injuries and we ended up taking Tyler Eifert. And I think, I still think, and people think I'm crazy, but Eifert could have been as good as Kelsey if he didn't have all the injuries because his first couple of years, he was ridiculous as well. His, his ability to move around and make plays down the field and in space and uh, worked the linebackers. He was pretty good too, but nobody's like Travis because Travis is good at both. He can block you and he can uh, run routes and he can beat you man to man and he can beat you in zone. And he's got a great feel for the game. And, and after the catch is where he does most of his damage. He catches five yard gains and makes them nine, 10, 12, 15 yards. And he's a special guy. The feel for the game that he has, uh, the physical toughness that he plays with, it's unmatched by anybody that I've seen. Jay, I want to go back to San Francisco here quickly. I thought for the second straight week, and the first one we kind of blamed, or at least I did, on you know the the, the weather and and Purdy struggled a little bit maybe because of that. But I thought he was shaky for at least a half, maybe if not more, of football. He made plenty of plays, you know, down the stretch and and, and in the end enough for them to win. But that would have me feeling a little bit less than confident if I'm a San Francisco fan. A little bit, but you got to feel good about what he did to win the game and to put the team in, on his back and. He made plays with his legs, which was really impressive. Some scrambles that he had to keep drives alive, which were critical because, you know, Kyle's M.O. has been he has not been able to come back from deficits very well. Their drop back passing game has struggled a little bit, and Brock bailed him out with some key third down scrambles and big scrambles to get first downs. You know, that's all the more reason why I think Dan Campbell should have kicked that field goal to go up 17 and force the young quarterback to throw, be one-dimensional and throw the ball and take Christian McCaffrey out of the game. Um, so, you know, instead they go down 14, he throws that ball to Ayuk, he makes a hell of a play to the one-yard line, they score, and then Gibbs fumbles, and they score in the next couple plays, and now it's tied up and all hell breaks loose. So um, that game was gift-wrapped to him, but Purdy did an unbelievable job keeping his composure for a young kid and making big-time plays when it counted. And there's really nothing I guess you can do. And I don't mean a literal timeout, but, like, figuratively, when a team just needs to stop every – like, stop the earth from spinning for a minute or two and let us get our bearings – and let's talk about this. Like That was quicksand. I mean, everything went wrong. It was eight game minutes total for the 17-0 run for San Francisco with the fumble and running a punt that was almost down at the one into the end zone for nice field position. Like, everything could go wrong did. It was about 15 minutes of real life, it felt like. And the whole day just kind of evaporated in front of them. How do you stop that momentum? As a coach, if you feel that happening, what can you do? Yeah, it's not like basketball. You just call a timeout and everybody gets in the huddle and you come up with an inbounds play or something like that to try to try to make a play. Somebody's got to step up and make a play. A big hit on defense, a special teams key crunch play. Uh, maybe sometimes, maybe it's a special play you draw up. Maybe it's a you know, reverse or something like that to try to get your momentum back. But somehow, some way, somebody on your football team has got to step up. Coaches can't go out there and yell at people, hey, let's get your head out of your asses. You know, you got to come out there. You got to somebody's got to make a play for you. You got to rely on your veteran leadership for that to happen. And, and both San Francisco has big time leaders on their team, and obviously Kansas City has that as well. And in, in their locker room, that's why they are where they are. Jay, I, I want to talk about Baltimore for a second. I'm just a dude that really likes football and like tries to learn as much as I can. But so far, be it for me to question an offensive coordinator that's had an unbelievable year in, in Todd Munkin. But here I go questioning him. I don't understand what the idea was. I generally hate when people after the fact or look at the totals of runs and decide if a coordinator was good or bad, but this is Baltimore. It's kind of what they do. They're great at, at, at beating the hell out of you, and especially against this Kansas City defense. I was stunned that they didn't feature Edwards or Hill or even more design stuff from Lamar Jackson. It was like they wanted to go down a certain way. I, I was befuddled by that. What were your thoughts? Yeah, same. You know, Dalvin Cook as well. I mean, if you watch Kansas City play Buffalo, Buffalo had the ball for like 
you know, 65, 75 plays, and Kansas City only had the ball for like 40. They ate up the clock, and they did a good job running the football. And if they could do it, surely Baltimore at their front, their Lindebaum, the center, and Zeitler, and, and, and the guys, Morgan Moses, those guys can get movement, and Patrick Ricard, that's what they do. And then they do the zone reads off of it and the bootlegs off of it. The game against Houston, they did an unbelievable job doing that, utilizing the run and, and uh, off the full flow, doing Lamar, keeping the ball, doing some things in that regard. But they turned into a drop-back passing game in the biggest game of their life, and it just didn't make any sense to me either. But I'm sure Todd Munkin had a reason for it. Maybe they were down early and they felt like they had to get a sense of urgency to make, make plays, but that's not who they are. They should have stuck with the game plan, in my opinion, and your opinion as well, I guess. And they didn't do it. Jay, I want to go through the head coaching candidates. Washington's interviewing five guys here today and tomorrow, and four of them just got eliminated. But I want to know, like, if you're helping run the search, a question you would ask, what you would want to ask these guys, if anything, or just your general take that, that pops up when you hear the name. So we'll start with Ben Johnson of the Lions. Yeah, who's your defensive coordinator going to be? Who's your special team coordinator? Uh, how much input do you want to have in uh, personnel? That's uh, what kind of – what do you think about these quarterbacks coming out? Uh, who do you like? Um, pick their brain in that regard. Who's going to be a running back coach? Who, who's going to be on your staff? That's the most important thing. Uh, how are you going to you know, develop these players? Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, you can't bring the offensive line with you from Detroit here, Ben. So you're going to have to make do. What are you going to do to make this team better? And who's going to be your defensive coordinator? Because defense struggle mightily. And what's your plan to fix it? All right. How about Mike McDonald from the Ravens, who's 36 and just, you know, had the number one defense under his uh, watch all season long? Yeah, you're going to call a defense. If not, you're going to, who's going to be your defensive coordinator? And who in the hell are you going to hire as your offensive coordinator? Who's out there for you? Who's going to develop this number two pick that we're going to get in the draft? Either Jaden Daniels or whoever the heck you're going to pick. Who's going to be your guy? Who's going to be your quarterback coach? Who's going to be your special team coordinator? Same stuff. Strength coach. All that stuff is critical. And then, obviously, the same stuff about developing players and, and drafting players. How much input do you want? Are we going to work together? Do you want full control? I'm sure the GM probably has a desire to do the draft and pick the free agents himself. So, you know, if, if they're going to butt heads in that regard, then they'll probably go elsewhere. Do you know Aaron Glenn at all, the DC from the Lions? I just know of him. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you guys, you know, had Never been on a staff or anything. I'm just confused a little bit because, look, I, I guarantee he's a great leader of men. That's why teams are all interested in him. I'm sure he's immensely popular and has like that guy you want in your building vibe. But his resume is not like the others. Like, the Lions' defense has not been that good the last couple of years, whereas McDonald, number one, Johnson, top five, two years in a row as a play caller, Weaver's the D-line coach of the Ravens. You can explain that away with production. Glenn just doesn't quite match that, but maybe that's the leader of men thing. Yeah, and there's a lot to be said about that. You know, if you're a great leader of men like Raheem Morris or Mike Tomlin, those guys have been proven to be that way. But, you know, you got to – you got to be able to bring people with you to help lead these men, too, as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of people out there available to coach on these staffs right now, but picking the right people to coach the people in the building is what the most critical thing is. Is a head coach has to bring a team of people with them that are strong-minded guys, that are great leaders, like you mentioned, that can develop players, that can draft players, and pick them and do the best thing for the football team. Jay, always great, buddy. Thanks for coming on with us. Talk soon. All right. Thank you. We'll see you, buddy. Jay Gruden, love chatting ball with him. We got one last ride with him as we approach the Super Bowl on Grant and Danny. On air and on the road, Jay Gruden is driven by the Ted Britt Automotive Group, Ted Britt Ford and Chantilly in Fairfax, your F-150 headquarters. 
at Ted Britt Chevrolet and Sterling, home to Ted Britt for life, lifetime vehicle coverage. See and shop at tedbritt.com. All right, let's get into this coaching search. And Schefter suggesting today Ben Johnson is not the favorite. Here's the, the topic eventually we'll get to, and I want to open up the phones on next, at, at the MGM National Harbor listener lines at 800-636-1067. If it's not Ben Johnson, will you be disappointed? If they hire somebody else at this point, will you view it as a mistake? Have you made up your mind? Is your heart set on Ben Johnson? Or are you open to all possibilities and kind of trusting the process and trusting this new ownership group and this new general manager that whatever they say, you're fine with. You don't really have a horse in the race. 800-636-1067 is the number. We'll dive into that next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, who's your defensive coordinator going to be? Who's your special team coordinator? Uh, how much input do you want to have in uh, personnel? That's uh, what kind of – what do you think about these quarterbacks coming out? Uh, who do you like? Um, pick their brain in that regard. Who's going to be a running back coach? Who, who's going to be on your staff? That's the most important thing. Uh, how are you going to you know, develop these players? Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, you can't bring the offensive line with you from Detroit here, Ben. So you're going to we're gonna have to make do. What are you going to do to make this team better? And who's going to be your defensive coordinator? Because defense struggled mightily. And what's your plan to fix it? That was Jay Gruden when asked. I said, what question would you ask Ben Johnson? That was a lot of questions he would ask Ben Johnson. But you can see why these interviews tend to go for seven, eight hours sometimes. A little break, go get some dinner, come back, keep getting after it. That was just kind of top of the head what he'd want to know uh, from Ben Johnson. So, Ben Johnson alert. The reason we bring him up is because he's interviewing tomorrow morning for the job. But also, while a lot of people have assumed for a long time he was going to get this job, me being one of them, and I still, by the way, a couple people have tweeted me based on Schefter today saying, do you still think it's going to be Ben Johnson? I still do. I'm still confident. I'll be surprised if it's not. But Schefter does not seem as confident. He's more plugged in than I am. This is what Adam Schefter 
had to say on the Pat McAfee show today on ESPN. Well, well, first and foremost, I'm not convinced yet that Ben Johnson is getting the commander's job. I know people have said that he's the presumptive favorite and he may get the job like he he very well may. He's in contention. But that is not a slam dunk at all right now. Mm. And 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 they are definitely looking at other people as well. And again, they may come back to Ben Johnson. But I think that they're pretty impressed with Mike McDonald and Aaron Glenn and Anthony Weaver as well. And I think those guys are going to have a legitimate chance to get that job. Um, and then Ben Johnson's also in play in Seattle. So you have to see, okay, well, if he doesn't get Washington, is he then in Seattle? Or does Seattle pull an upset? Again, people have... People have said here that they think Ben Johnson is going to Washington and Dan Quinn is going to Seattle. Yes. And I will bet you, I will bet you that at a minimum, one of those is not right. Hmm. At a minimum. So that was Schefter earlier today on the McAfee show. Question for you guys is, if it's not Ben Johnson, will you be disappointed? So my answer to that is easily a yes. But I would go as far as to say, if it's Weaver... I would be devastated, not because it's him. I think he could be a great leader of men, it sounds like. But I'm saying if if it's not Johnson and it's also not one of the real young hot shots that coordinators that I've been salivating over for a couple of months as an option, that would hurt. If it's Aaron Glenn, I, I would feel the same way. If it's uh, Dan Quinn, I would feel the exact same way. I, I would be like not just disappointed, I'd be pretty devastated. If it is Mike McDonald... I would not be devastated. I would be disappointed. Mm. If it's Bobby Slowick, even though I don't think he's quite ready for a head coaching job, I readily admit that. I think sometimes you got to be early rather than late, and you got to hope that we can just figure this out and he becomes a Kyle Shanahan type. I I would not be devastated. I would be upset, disappointed, right? But the answer for me is, yeah, my heart is set on Ben Johnson. I wonder how much of the fan base feels that way. Go back to the Nationals draft this past year, all the talk leading up to the draft was that they were going to end up with Paul Skeens. They ended up with Dylan Cruz. That's an outstanding consolation prize. And I put that in quotation marks, but probably the best overall player in the draft. Time will tell who knows. Right. But I couldn't help, but feel a tinge of disappointment, not because we ended up with a player that we're all going to fall in love with in short order as he, as he plays here in Washington, hopefully for a decade plus, but because all the attention and all the, the, the focal uh, or your focal point was on somebody else. That's the only tinge of disappointment I'm going to feel because I've now gotten it in my head that the idea that this is inevitable, that Ben Johnson is happening. If it's someone else, Dan Snyder doesn't own the team anymore. This ownership group has an idea. They're smart. Adam Peters is really good. I'm going to let the really good people make really good decisions. I'll, I'll They've earned the benefit of the doubt far more than guys have given benefit of the doubt to uh, vis-a-vis Ron Rivera a handful of years ago. He's whoever, and Ron we trust, whoever Ron wants for the first couple of seasons before he lost his privilege, in my opinion. So I won't be disappointed. I won't understand that if it's Dan Quinn. The other guys, I, I kind of get. You, 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 you're you trying to unearth this long-term, stable thing, and maybe it presents more challenges in terms so, of losing an OC, so but I, I won't be devastated. Anthony Weaver tomorrow, you're not going to be disappointed. No. Really? Yeah. He came, wow, I can't wrap my head around that. Here's the, here's the, here's it, my simple thing. People learned who he was a month ago, and and now they're just fine with that over Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald, the coordinator in his own on his own defense. He's got a significant role in Baltimore. That's that's good enough for me as as a starting kid. And again, if it's not me making the decision, this isn't 
Dan Snyder doing it from his yacht, who, who came in for five minutes or whatever. This is these are smart people who know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I just I don't necessarily play that in Rivera we trust game. I, I just I, I'm I'm a critical thinker. I, I can walk and chew gum. I hope they're right. I'm not going to scream at them that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's not. I'm not going to allow my emotions to, to be like dictated to by my assumption that they're correct. They're they have never made a decision for me of this caliber. Mm-hmm. In fact, they've never made a decision of this regard in football yet. Like period, um, so I, I'm I'm here for the Harris ownership group. I, I got my pom poms. I'm ready to go. Let, let's let's go win some football games. But it, I mean, it's not like Josh Harris has you know struck gold with every coaching hire that they've made. No, of course, Peters not. is doing it for the first time. So, do I hope that they're right? Sure, I, I'm with you. I will give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to have some big you know 30 minute rant about how they picked the wrong guy. I'll just move along and go to the press conference and, and hope that that guy is great. But it will feel like a missed opportunity to me, and I won't be able to help that, particularly if they don't go offense, that they don't understand. They didn't read the room very well here. Mm-hmm. You know, like ev- everything they do in some way, I'm trying to figure out, are, are they seeing what's happening? And that would be the first time. The Peters hire tells me that they get it. You know, everything that they've done so far, every little and big thing that they've done since they got here literally has been a they-get-it thing. This, to me, would be a I don't know if they get it. That's all. And hopefully they're right and I'm wrong. So I, I think there's a, the only, I think the only subtle difference here that leads us to slightly different conclusions is I, I wouldn't hire Anthony Weaver. That's not who I would pick. I'm also – I'm not interviewing anybody. I don't – you know, I just read what I read like everyone else does. It's not the choice that I would make. And I guess – the way I'm phrasing it is, it's it's hard for me to be disappointed when you you are bringing somebody that's got a lot of responsibility that you're going to give more to, that isn't coach centric any of that bullcrap, from a great organization that always overachieves. Now I know the Ravens just lost in the postseason, but they have a culture of doesn't matter if it's Tyler Huntley's turn, doesn't matter if it's backup Billy or this guy's out sure. or whatever. We're going to keep grinding it. But, and, but and you're be interviewing in your a more instrumental person in that same building. Right, I would have picked Mike McDonald exactly. over Anthony Weaver, which is why my fr- like I'm not gonna. That's where my frustration would come mm-hmm. from, right? I mean, again, if it's Mike McDonald, I will be more excited than I am. I'll be disappointed it wasn't Ben Johnson, but like it's it's still fifty five percent excited, forty five percent disappointed, or whatever. If we're going with the D line coach that everyone heard of three weeks ago, with all due respect, I'm, I'm sure he's a great leader of men. I just wouldn't do the leader of men hire. You know, I said with Ron Rivera and his group all the time, and I, I hated how often I was at odds or, or bashed things that they did. But my point routinely was, I don't see things the way they see them. They're smarter than me. They know way more than I do. Sure. I'm not suggesting otherwise. But the way they view how to win in this league and the way I view is two utterly different things. And a hire of this leader, like Aaron Glenn leader of men guy, or Dan Quinn because you know he does awesome things and players love him. It just tells me in this particular case <laughs> we don't see eye to eye very much. So far, it just it's I'm excited because it seems like we see eye to eye on a lot of things. The one the guy I wanted for a year, Adam Peters, they went and got immediately and seemed like they there were no other roads for them. They just drove down that road. Let's go to Dre and Manassas. What's up, Dre? So the problem I would go with leader man as opposed to young and good looking. Listen, Grant, 
you know, the NFL, the reason it's so easy for me to dismiss the NFL, you know, smart guys, is because they, you know, they get it wrong all the time with head coaches, number one quarterback picks, you know, all these coaches that came from, um, you know, um, New England, all those coaches that came from, you know, from um, the Chiefs, they all failed. Grant, I hear you. You know, you, you mentioned something about, you know, reading the room wrong. I'm a big fan of you, Grant, because you always used to say it's revisionist history when people talk about the Redskins' RG3 run. No, it was Alfred Morse uh, who made that big run. And with this, you know, last week I called, you guys said, hey, we're trying to hit, you know, we're trying to go with the one that gives us the best chance to win. And I kept on thinking this entire weekend, my entire weekend was thinking, but what was this young coach, young quarterback duo that Grant's been talking about, but has been so successful throughout the years? And the only one I can come up with is the Cincinnati one. Any other situation has been a veteran head coach, maybe a rookie quarterback or a rookie head coach. Wait, 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 I'm confused. Say what you're saying again. Cincinnati's the only you, example of what? A young head coach and a young quarterback, that's one. I mean, I think that's what you want. Um, I think that's what you've been, you know, talking about the entire. Well, I mean, the young months. quarterback's just a a nice addition because you have the number two overall pick, right? But the young coach, to me, is that's the that's what you're hiring right now. Whether they do that or do something else in the draft, it just stands to reason they need a quarterback and they're picking second, so they're going to do well, that. And marrying an offensive mind with a quarterback together is, is good practice. But no, for me, it's just it, it's the, I go back to. Offensive-minded head coaches are what work okay. in the league at a much higher rate than anything else. Uh, listen, all I'm saying is this. My thing with the whole Ben Johnson hire, I'm uncomfortable, and it's just me, I'm a fan, rookie GM, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. I mean, I know you guys talk, we want, we want to look at something five, ten years down the line, but this, this league is a win-now league that if you don't win in two, three years – you know, you're, you're off to the next batch. That's why, for me personally, I would like someone a retread, if you will. I know it's a bad term, but Dan Quinn, you know, all these quarterbacks, all these head coaches that are winning right now, they didn't win the first stop, but they're winning in the second stop. And for me, someone like Dan Quinn building the culture, that's the person I would like to see here. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Dre. I was ready to tell him that was an awesome call until he said he wants Dan Quinn. But <laughs> stick aside, Dre. Yeah. I actually, that's a really good call. And I do think there's something there. I think people are a little uncomfortable with the idea of GM who's never done it, mm-hmm. coach who's never done it, and then you draft a quarterback who's playing in his first game in week one for the first time head coach with the first time GM. That That is uncomfortable. There's no doubt. You're swinging big for sure. Uh, but who's my retread option? Is it Mike Vrabel? Maybe I, maybe I could get excited about that. It's not. It's Dan Quinn. So uh, forgive me for not being that excited <laughs> that Ron Rivera. Where's that? Forgive my skepticism. Uh, drop. Just bring Ron Rivera back. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you if you just I'm available. If I'm you am. can't have a GM and a head coach and a quarterback who's all uh, new, then Ron Rivera's plenty seasoned. He he didn't win in his last job. That means he'll win in this one, right? Eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. Grant and Danny on the fan. Forgive my skepticism. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We'll get more into this at the top of the hour, right? It's 6 o'clock. We're taking you up to 6.30 on Grant and Danny. But it should be noted, I I like to just kind of preface everything with this. I'm still confident, and I still think it's going to be Ben Johnson. That's still my prediction. I could be wrong. Don't have information that it's done or anything. But that's what how I think it's going to end. We're not having this discussion now because I completely believe what Schefter's pitching, Mm -hmm. right? Which is that it may not be Ben Johnson. Of course it may not be. They're interviewing five guys in the next two days. Uh, He's basically saying, though, not only is he not, it's not a foregone conclusion. Okay, that makes sense. He's saying he's not the favorite. I disagree with that. I think he is the favorite. And I still think if you're looking at odds, he's minus and everyone else is plus. I mean, when he says at the end of his little soliloquy, everyone assumes Dan Quinn's going to Seattle and Ben Johnson to Washington. I'm willing to bet at least one of those is wrong. That's a, that's significant. Well, in fairness, it though, could I, be Quinn, I, I but don't still. even know that Dan Quinn is the favorite in Seattle anymore. Like, Mike McDonald is the guy that's supposed to get that job right now. So if one of those is wrong, yeah, it should probably be Quinn. Maybe it's that one, but still, he's, but, going, he's going pretty hard. Yeah, the part to me that stood out was when he said he's not the favorite. And I was like, what? Uh, so, yeah, I'll be bothered. I'll be annoyed. I'll be upset. It'll be my first time being salty with uh, this group if it's not Ben Johnson. But obviously... They're sitting in and they're grinding through these interviews. They're getting swept off their feet by multiple people. And they'll reserve the opportunity to end up looking really good if it's somebody else. Let's go to uh, Rashad in Fairfax. What's up? Hey, how's it going? What's up, buddy? I think uh, I honestly am a Mike McDonald fan, and I'll tell you why. I think I definitely agree with both of you in the sense of, you know, offensive head coaches uh, definitely winning and, uh, and you know, making deep playoff runs and all that. But I do think that, especially if the quarterback is Sam Howell or any other uh, one of the rookies that they draft, I think one of the things that you got to do is not have too much pressure for that quarterback to score 25, 30, 35 points a game. And I think what a Mike McDonald will do for you, at least what he's shown, especially what I saw uh, yesterday, is that, you know, you're able to slow down some of the most uh, talented offenses in the league. And I think, you know, if you're able to give your rookie quarterback a year or two, like kind of like we saw with Jordan Love, you know, who didn't look that good the first couple of years in Green Bay, and now he's, you know, looking really good. Um, if you have a defense that can really uh, come to play and, and come to show up and, and, you know, hopefully win you a few games, uh, that builds confidence. That kind of builds a little bit more um, time for your quarterback to grow and, and not have to be forced into, you know, playmaking situations right off the bat. And so it's a great point. Thank you, buddy. It's, I mean, it's backfired some recently. We saw that with like Herbert and Brandon Staley. Sometimes they don't see eye to eye or they're just not as good at building that relationship with the quarterback. But if your hi- hypothesis is as simple as 
a great defense, and Mike McDonald can deliver a great defense for you in the next few years, is going to make life easier on whoever you take at number two overall at quarterback. I think that that's probably true. Is that as a priority more important to you than developing said quarterback? Than not losing your offensive coordinator every couple of years? If so, cool. Uh, for me, it's just not at the top of my list. Let's go to Bobby in Warsaw. What's up, Bobby? Hey, guys. As always, glad to talk with you. Uh, my idea is I would rather see an offensive coordinator get the job, but if some defensive coordinator has got a plan and he's got a, already lined up a offensive coordinator form that sounds really good, I could get along with that. Uh, but in, uh, but really, one thing I'd like to say is that I would have, I think that Jay Gruden deserved an interview as as the rest of the coaches that were previously here under Snyder. They were completely hands tied behind the back. They had terrible uh, general uh, managers. The owner put his nose in it, and none of them were successful. So how could you expect Jay to be any better? And I think he's got a great mind, and he could line up a, a well, heck look, of a Well, look, he was the head coach, Bobby, for six Appreciate years. Appreciate you, buddy. Their offense was top ten three times. I would absolutely look into Jay Gruden as a, as a coordinator, at least interview him. Or if you're not comfortable with that, and I don't doubt he would take this job. I have no idea. But as a quarterback's coach or whatever, sure. he's overqualified. The offenses here were good, and he developed quarterbacks well. Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins, Gardner Minshew among them. Yeah, the success speaks for itself in that regard, right? The, the production is increased when he shows up. The Chargers are making a pretty surprising front office hire that I think is awesome. We'll get to that, and we'll get to the bottom of the commander's coaching search next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.